Welcome, everybody. This is the Macro View, Episode 7. I'm your host, Andrew Smith, coming to you live from downtown L.A. I've got a very special guest with us, somebody that uh, is very close to me that I've known for basically my entire life. He is an excellent chef, and he's going to come and talk to us a little bit about the real-life perspectives on how the minimum wage affects the development of human capital and incentives and a a whole bunch of stuff. And we're going to actually walk through some of the consequences that would actually occur from the raising of the minimum wage from 15, from 725 to $15, um, you know, taking into account the fact that the, the current minimum wage raising it to $15 would account for a lot more people than just those that work on the minimum wage. So I want to say hello to our guest, everybody. Uh, welcome, Aaron Pinkar. Uh, again, I've, like I said, I've known him my entire life. Aaron, say hello to uh, the viewers that we may have out there. Aaron, you available? Oh, I might have him on mute. Aaron, I had you on mute. I apologize. Okay, well, <laughs> it's not a problem. Well, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Um, hello to everybody out there that's listening. So, welcome to the Macro View. Um, we're going to oh, – I'd like at first to kind of just you know, talk a little bit about your professional experience, uh, you know, how you got to uh, – got into – uh, you know, being a professional chef and, and what you think about the culinary, you know, culinary industry as it is today. And then we're going to start to talk a little bit about how significant raise in the minimum wage, such as being proposed, would actually affect so much broader of a range of people than what's actually uh, considered currently, you know, a lot of 725 right now. It's not just going to sure. affect people that are making 725. You know. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, my, my experience, you know, dates back to actually, you know, growing up with you and doing a lot of cooking, but I decided out of out of high school that I wanted to go to culinary school. I went to La Cordon Bleu, um, which we'll talk, we'll talk about later. Uh, and, <laughs> and you know, I, I got a job. I was working with them, you know, going to, going to culinary school and I had some, you know, culinary-related jobs beforehand and I created restaurant and uh, ended up graduating and working at fine dining and trying to do fine dining as my whole career to, you know, to lead up to something that, you know, I thought maybe it would be a lucrative, you know, a lucrative career, a good, you know, a good trade-off as far as work and, and financial um, gains go. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, it's, it, if going to the Cordon Bleu is the right decision, and you know we'll talk about that later. But um, you know I have I have about ten years in experience in the in the restaurant industry, and uh, I have you know a lot of a lot of different um, just experiences within those experiences behind me that can really you know paint a good picture on on why I think fifteen dollars an hour mandated minimum wage is I think a terrible idea. Um, a really terrible idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah but but you really also different. you also in the past were were a a lifeguard as well. Um, talk okay. talk a little bit about about you know your experience as a lifeguard and and what it actually takes 
um, you know, actually the mandates that it takes to become a lifeguard and what kind of accounting, you know, calling those people minimum wage employees would, would, would be like. Sure. I mean, I mean, I made $12 an hour when I was in high school because I went through a lifeguarding course. I was a great swimmer. I, you know, I water polo, I, I swam, I got the states in swimming. Um, I was a good swimmer and my whole family uh, had me, in, my whole, my brother swam, my, my mom used to swim. So, you know, she was really um, a factor in filling that into our, our lifestyle. Um, so, you know, it was only natural that my first job would have been a lifeguard. And, you know, to, in order to get a lifeguarding position, you have to go through, you know, a lifeguarding training course. You need to you know CPR, uh, which is basically saving someone's life. You need to right. you know a lot of yeah. preventing. Actually preventing saving somebody's <laughs> life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Minimum wage. You know, there's, there's, yeah. You know, yeah, you don't want to group that in the same category. And if, if you do group that, or say you do raise the minimum wage to 15, you, you need to, you know, you need to give someone that has those, they, they've, they've gone through the certifications, some type of recognition. So in order yeah, to a relative that, raise more to the minimum, right. Sure. A relative raise to the minimum. So, I mean, if you, you didn't, know, let's, right. let's suppose in a world, let's suppose in a world so that we mm-hmm. kind of take a little bit of a baseline, right. And it's kind of moves right. us into the, the, the next sort of topic that I wanted to really touch on here. Uh, let's suppose in a world that the, the, the country clubs and the beaches, which kind of are the city and whoever else that hires lifeguards didn't do that. Right. Let's suppose that they didn't do that. They didn't give them a raise. They just were minimum wage employees. Now. And don't you think that there would be a significant reduction in the number of people that were willing to go through the certifications when they could apply for a different job? And there not, I mean, not to be, leave the question, but I mean, it just, it seems kind of self-logical, right? Oh, I think there would be, no one would really want to do it. So it would be the people that actually are still doing it, doing it. And they would be very, very upset about the fact that, you know, someone that's entry level is getting, making the same amount of money as them. They've been maybe working two years and they may, they've been working at that $13, $14 an hour. And and if if say yeah, and my my first job you know at a Quiznos making subs, you know I'm making fifteen bucks an hour to make some subs, basically, not saving yeah. people's lives. <laughs> it's totally yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's so naturally it's kind of, it's obviously kind of, they would have to they'd have to raise the wage. Like if it, just coming from your perspective, you would have never you would have just held out. You'd be like no. And most people would have said, no, I'm not going to work as a minimum wage employee. Right. So in order to well, get. Most if, people would, hopefully. But we'll talk about, we can, you know, that's yeah. the subject that we're yeah. going to talk about, you know, just voting with your feet. And most right. people would typically, um, would typically, um, you know, move on to another higher, higher paying position to, if there was a position available. Um, but, you know, if, if you're, it's only natural that if you're going to get a certification or something, you're going to make a little bit more money. So if you're going to group, uh, you know, you can't you can't do that. So then it's going to be passed on. Those costs of having those higher wage employees are going to be passed on to the consumer. If not, then they're going to have to downsize their business or 
you know, cut the costs in some other way, but typically it's passed on to the consumer. So, you know, you know, your 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 youth, you know, your youth club membership used to cost three hundred dollars a year. Now it's six hundred dollars a year because it's twice as much to pay the you know to pay the lifeguards to work there, and you still need yeah. to have lifeguards yeah. on duty. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, that is one thing that probably for a while until like waterproof technology is really good, that won't be automated. But that's the other consequence, right? I mean, you could even go back way back to like the 1930s. And there's a period where the minimum wage, I think it was the first minimum wage was about 40 cents. And it was a big accomplishment to even get a 40 cent minimum wage passed, uh, 40 cents an hour. And then it got raised to 70 cents an hour. And about, you know, there was a big accomplishment. Everybody was saying, oh, it's going to cost jobs. It's going to all the, all the, uh, you know, at, at that time, they were actually called liberal economists, but all the kind of sort of Chicago school guys were very much, you know, in the camp of this is going to cause unemployment. It's going to cause people at the entry level to not be able to get that first job and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they measured it six or seven months later, and there was no job loss. But sure enough, everybody went around observing that a year, a year and a half later, a lot of those jobs that were 40-cent jobs were now gone. And as they raised it, I mean, I can even remember, and I'm sure you remember growing up, and there were bag boys, and bag boys disappeared. Um, That can be directly traced to it. It took a little bit of time, but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. worth it anymore you know, um, and raising prices at a certain point. What I've, the other thing that I've really, I, I hear a lot of mainstream economists that talk about this idea that it's, a, it's absorbed. And, and it's amazing to me, it, but the economists say that it's, uh, mainstream economists say that it's absorbed by the triple P's. And, and that's prices, productivity, and employment. But every study that I've ever read says that productivity basically is a six-month boom in productivity from an increase in my minimum wage. They feel like, you know, it's a little bit of a moral victory, but it doesn't make the job that you have that much better. You know, it's still a shitty-ass job, and you still wish you had better because, you know, I mean, you're just, you're just making a little bit more money, you know? And then right. the well, other then- piece, that's productivity, and then the other piece is prices, of course, yeah, but they just kind of accept that. Like, okay, prices go up. And then the other one is profits, as if profits can get smaller. U.S. profits are like 6.5% median corporate profits. Walmart, everybody loves to, to pick on Walmart. They have 3.3% profits. It's not even like they're, it's not like, they're like flipping a, a huge amount of money, you know? Right. Well, I mean, the, the brand is huge, but <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, I, I really, I, feel, I really feel like it's, it's more of an issue of, you know, people not most most workers not necessarily choosing the right business to work for, and not not standing up for what they believe in, and and, and they end up working for a business that isn't necessarily treating the best way. And it's yeah, really I mean, hard part to, of that uh, could be just the the, the fact that there's a lot of perception that they don't have power, that people don't necessarily understand the concept of the, the dollar vote and, and the feet vote. I mean, the feet vote, I think, is, I think is even more powerful than, than voting with your dollars because as, a, as an employee of a business 
or anything. I mean, if you are a professional and you know what you're capable of, you should know that you shouldn't be taken advantage of. You know, I, I, everybody needs to make a buck. But if everybody were to really vote with their feet and know that there's another job waiting behind you, you know, you just got to you gotta make sure that you don't, you don't sacrifice your, your morals and your ethics to take, take on something that's going to give you a paycheck. You, know, you might have to do it once in a while, but, it's, but as soon as you can, get the hell out. Because yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 really, it's, yeah, it's totally true. Totally true, and a lot of people don't do that anymore. You know, would, would would you say that you've seen a lot of people just kind of stick around and be okay with that? Be okay with just you know things that you just would not. Oh sure, yeah. I mean, I was watching Bar Rescue the other day, and you know, I watched this owner just be completely malicious to his staff, you know, on camera, and just be completely okay with it, think he was in the right. You know, that kind of behavior is obvious that this person thinks he's okay. He's okay with it. He, he thinks he knows that that he's doing something that is he believes to be true, basically. And, and that, that, that's, that's sick. Does the, the, in, in, that that. Episode, in that episode, does the bar owner keep his bar at the end? I actually didn't finish watching the episode. I got yeah. so upset. Um, and <laughs> and I had to turn. I mean, I I, I paused the episode because I had to record. But do you think that do you think that the idea that your employer has power over you is perpetuated in the media a little bit too much? Well, well, not only that, but just um, you know the fact that these 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 employees that um, you know were, were being belittled and they weren't getting paid. They weren't even getting paid a minimum wage, they weren't getting paid anything, just tips. They were getting paid, um, they, weren't, they weren't on his payroll, um, and the fact that, you know, that, that he was belittling them and they weren't willing to walk out on him and, and just, you know, find another job. I mean, John, this guy right. on, bar, on Bar Rescue, John Taffer, was willing to help them find another job you know, the, they could have easily left the owner right then and there, and and just left. And that's how I feel like things should work. Is you know, if you don't think that you're you're getting what you're you need to get out of the business, you shouldn't stick around. Don't don't perpetuate that behavior. Um, it's 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 not something that um, that, that should be should be encouraged, and it, it is because people stick around. And I'm not sure why. I really don't. I'm not, I'm not really. I'm not. Cause I, I think they don't believe in themselves. Because it seemed like most of these people had good qualities to them, and they just needed to really just put themselves out there to get another job. And I think that's something that people get used to is getting used to like showing up every day. It's a routine. You get used to showing up every day, doing the same thing, and making the same amount of money, and you can somewhat make the bills. Now, you don't really get ahead, though, but it's, it's a comfortability level. And you have to kind of go out of your comfortability to jump jobs. And I've jumped jobs pretty significantly because I, I really keep my, I mean, on morals alone, I've, I've left, you know, just. Right, turnover. I mean, I mean and, and turnover, turnover is, is an expense to put a business yeah. out of business if they're not good at retaining right. employees. That's the beauty of it, right? You get to make your own decisions. 
Right. I mean, I, I've had the comfortability to make them my, my own decisions because, you know, I've, I've saved and, and made the right decisions in, in my history, so I don't necessarily, you know, need to, 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 do, to do, you know, to, to, to have that job and, and make sure that I, uh, that I have, I have to, I'm not exactly sure how to put it, but, um, to, Every once in a while, yes, I, I really need the paycheck, but um, it's it, it really comes down to you know it really comes down to what you what you believe in and and what you feel is right. And if you don't feel something is right, don't do it. And, and right. sometimes I've cut off my nose to spite my face financially, and sometimes I've had money to where you know it's been the right decision that I can make the right move, but. It's, it really does come down to you know you have to stick up for yourself and you have to stick up for what you believe in and you know if you don't if if you if you push to get clean cutting boards to work on and you're in and your the business owner doesn't feel like there's that that's that's important you know while you're charging forty dollars a plate then you know I I really feel like you know that's not the place for me yeah, yeah. no I feel I I, I can I can feel you on that. You don't want to be eating. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to be serving food that you're. Uh, you know, you're cutting. You're cutting meats on on cutting boards. It's kind of. Well, that's not. That's not, that's not a place for me. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, exactly. It's not the place that I would want to eat out at. All right. So <laughs> what? Let, let, let's talk about like. Uh, you know, give me an example of an average week in a fine dining, the highest fine dining. Um, you know, restaurant like maybe like when you open that Fountain Blue or uh, one of those that like what is the setting of that week and like the, the number of hours you you work and what you get paid. Oh, I mean, there's, I mean, the the pay is the pay is 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 terrible. I mean, it really is terrible. You really have to do it for the love and the the sheer knowledge and, and things that are transferred during that time. You know, and yeah. No matter what, no matter what, though, you know, you get to the pinnacle of your education, you, you, you know, you work, of course, okay, so to answer your question, sorry to get off topic, but to answer your question, there, it was the hours of any salaried employee, um, and so there were probably 50, day, but 50, plus, 50 plus hours a week. Yeah, I was lucky hours. during that time, I was not salaried. To be honest, that was probably um, the best, most lucrative time of my culinary career was during that opening. But it was also the most grueling. educational and and grueling. I mean, it's it was terrible. I mean, it was it was good and terrible at the same time. And I, yeah. I loved it. I loved it, but I hated it. But what I also know that what what it entails to be a full time chef. And I right. later, you know, later later on in my career, you know, became sous chef or became, you know, what's equivalent to a chef, and just spent the time, you know, doing it. And what it really comes down to is, it's 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 a it takes your whole it takes your whole time. It, it's everything. It's it's 13 yeah. hours a day away away from home. So that's like you know, depending on your commute, you're. you're you're away from home. You, you, you're not. You have enough time just to sleep. You know, if right. you have other yeah. hobbies, yeah, other sleep. interests, 
if your mind likes to explore other ideas, you're screwed. Right. Because then you're not going to get any sleep. You get home, you want to think about this, you want to think about that, and this. You know, if, if your whole world is food, which yeah. and you're immersed, I, it, it works for some people. But for me, yeah. I have a lot so, of different other passions, too. So, yeah, and, and you actually, it, I, was, I was just going to bring up, I mean, you've you've actually found a very uh lucrative you know lucrative and a very interesting and uh way of of uh expressing your culinary art and that is in ice carving and it is very oh, I, I love ice uh, yeah. yeah yeah oh it's, it's such a great thing and um it's it really kind of it, it it explores the artistic side of culinary arts that isn't really um something that it's not typical in any restaurant. You know, it's it's something that you see in hotels, and usually it's outsourced by companies that do ice carving, and it's really hard to get into because it's a small community within that right. the culinary realm. Very niche. Yeah, it's very niche, and I've been welcomed in, welcomed in, and it's 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 a tough. It's 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 much it's much hard. It's just as much hard work as any other. Um, white collar or blue collar because you have to do AutoCAD drawings, but you also have to do, um, you know, lifting three 275-pound blocks. Um, and, you know, there, and there's just so yeah. much that goes into ice that, <laughs> that you, you don't even realize. And not a lot of people know that, you know, freezing these ice blocks perfectly clear takes a lot of labor and energy and um, resources. So, you know, it's, it's something that I think watching it. I think it's something that it's, it's it's on the verge of being recognized a little bit more just because of the, you know, the growing um, bar um, cocktail, uh, I mean, the cocktail industry and the, the mixology you know, industry, I don't even know if that's an industry, but the mixology um, thing has become bigger. And movement. People realize that clear movement, yeah. They, they they know that clear ice it's clear clear means you know that there's no imperfections and impurities which means there's no air there's no you know dissolved solids in it um, it's got it's kind of it's completely clear it's completely right. clear and it, it melts it's colder it melts slower it tastes better it's it's better for a cocktail you know when you get a really nice Manhattan or a um, you know old fashioned you get a you know, nice little square Clear cock, you clear um, piece of ice in there. That's probably from a piece of sculpting ice somewhere somewhere down the line. You know, they're not they're not freezing that in their own freezer, guaranteed. Yeah, there's like a special so, machine that it takes, right? It takes it takes you know a pretty significant amount of equipment to be able to, to produce something like that. Yeah, you know, it's not only just the machine, but the equipment to be able to manage it. And that plus storing, and it, it just it just goes on and on. And so, not, so it's not to not to cut you off there, but I wanted to get oh, back yeah, a little yeah. bit to the to the to the fifteen dollar minimum oh, sure. wage discussion. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> which which by the way, I mean I I a lot of people out there, you know the 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 full time work. The definition of full time work is. Um, 40 hours a week, right? 
I mean, I personally, and maybe maybe I'm just a, a fucking bastard, but I personally <laughs> consider full time work sixty hours a week. Um, because sure. I mean, if, 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 you know, if you're not doing you know thirty or forty hours, you're probably doing something around the house or some sort of improvement or work or learning or study, you know. Um, but yeah. I, I really do consider like full time full time work, you know, sixty hours a week. I don't, I don't think there's anything really wrong with that. You know, it's twelve hours a day, five days a week. You get you still got two days off, um, which is right. a absolute first world luxury to get two days off. So, at, at, you know, at 60 hours a week, you know, and I've done this before. I've walked, walked through I, I just think it's a little bit di- ridiculous. You know, $15 an hour at 60 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, that's two weeks off. That's 45 grand, right? I mean, 45 grand. Have you, have you ever made 45 grand in a year? Cleared? Oh, no. Cleared <laughs> after, after? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, that's, I mean, that's a fucking a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's for entry level. And I've worked, I mean, I worked, I remember when I was like 16, I had a job at Radio Shack um, for um, Black Friday. And I worked 16 hours that, that day. And that week, I was 16 years old. That week I worked 57 hours. And I regularly put in 60 hours of, a, a week for my business. It's usually probably more like 65 or 70. I just don't see anything wrong with, with, with there being a 60 hour work week being considered full time and, you know, $15 an hour at that is kind of a ridiculous minimum, you know, that's like kind of almost doubling the health, the individual average. Um, and, and why not? I mean, there are people who do work 60 hours a week, right? I mean, you've worked 60 hours a week before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean it's a lot of time away from home. I mean it's, it's, it, it is. really is, and and I think I I really feel like if there's work that can be done from home, you should be able to do it from home. That's a whole other whole other topic. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> but, well, and know, more and more work is, and more and more work it just I mean to to be. Yeah. You know, I mean, more and more work is being able to be done from the home as well, right? I mean, and that number of jobs and people who work from home is way up. Sure. I mean, if you do scheduling while you're watching The Simpsons, I don't think it's just that. And you, you know, you're still doing the, you know, you're still doing the same thing. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's it's really not that big of a deal. It's, I feel like if you do that kind of stuff from home, but if I was a business owner, which I'm not, and I was paying my employees, it's as long as they, you know, were honest and, you know, yeah, of course, you know, their most salaried employees should be doing that kind of stuff, you know, if that kind of stuff, if, if they really want to, to get it out of the way from home, just to get ahead. I mean, just because of the way the world is connected with the internet. Because, I mean, right. some people really, when they're home, want to spend time with their families, and I understand that. So there's another perspective on that. Um, but really what it comes down to, I think, with, with, with the whole, you know, with the whole minimum wage thing is, is I don't think there should be a minimum wage. You know, I think, you know, the market will find its own minimum wage. But by, by mandating, mandating it, it's going to force business owners to have to make some really tough decisions. And I'm sure you can kind of like provide some more, you know, 
intuition on, on and, and expertise well, on what kind I mean, of uh, and, and, that will have I mean, on the market. It makes people make hard decisions too, right? Because if I mean, right now, if you, you, you know, say you're making 14 bucks an hour or you're making 12 bucks an hour, you know, say you're making 12 bucks an hour relative to the, the, the current minimum wage, I mean, you're making what, 40, 60% higher than the current minimum wage. And even if you do right. get a little bit above the minimum wage, it's not going to be 60% higher than the minimum wage. It's going to be 15, 20% higher than the minimum wage and your relative human capital. I mean, what you've worked to be able to achieve, like you were saying earlier, you're a lifeguard, you're, you're, you know, I mean, the idea that a lifeguard and somebody stocking groceries are equivalent to people, you know, to the people that are in those two relative establishments is ridiculous. Of course, people want a better lifeguard than they do a, a stock stock person at grocery store. Right. Right. No, absolutely. So what, what's the percentage increase? So what would it take to be the same increase above minimum wage that I am currently – say, okay, say I'm making $15 an hour right now, which is around, right around what I'm making. Right. Um, in relative to – I mean, what, I don't know what it is. It's like $12. Auto, is the, federal minimum wage is minimum $7.25. Wage. Let's say they, they let's say we they, they let's say we, we increase the minimum wage to twelve dollars an hour. So, you know the the percentage between seven dollars to twelve dollars versus you know twelve dollars no it's seven to fifteen versus you know twelve twelve to fifteen. I mean it definitely yeah. so. What, what is that? The percentage from that, from 15 to whatever that is, would be what what I would have to make to be above what I'm not. I'm not. You know, obviously, I'm not as good with numbers as no, you are. You're not you're not that, that, no, you're not doing. You're not You're not trying to do the actual math, but essentially, to yeah. to maintain the, the same what you're saying is to maintain the same value. You would also need to get a a equal raise, otherwise that entire profession is now worth less, right? And it's relatively worth less. Worth less. Absolutely. So you, yeah, you exactly. have, you have, and, and what's, and the natural consequence is of course, you know, prices will go up. And well, they and have to, either they have to raise my, my wage or uh, pass it on to the consumer. Which you know, there's a certain acceptable price of what it costs to go out to dinner. All of a sudden, yeah. it costs fifty percent more to go out to eat. It's not most people are going to stay home and cook. So yeah. I mean, that might yeah. change the whole market. You know, it might change the entire market. And, so and I mean, talk, essentially, what happens is you you kind of would have probably a you know, consolidation of of restaurant resources going towards the ultra high end, right? I mean, ultimately. I mean, that's the only people that would be able to really afford, uh, you know, the increased costs because they already, you know, have the reputation. They can take on they take on a lot of free labor because people just want to be there and to learn. And, and you know, really, yeah. just, they don't realize that no matter what, they're going to top out at maybe like forty grand a year. You know, they might as well just spend a couple of years in nursing school. So, and I mean, that's nurse. that, but, I mean, so that's the, I mean, isn't that kind of like a isn't that kind of like an act of civil disobedience against the minimum wage itself going in like stodging, like working for nothing? 
Well, the thing is, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm used to. I mean, I've, I spent a lot of my time working for free to get jobs because I know that I can prove myself. And that's really right. and that, I, mean, that's that I, call I, I know I can get a job. That's commonplace in, in fine dining. I mean, it's commonplace in, like, the high finance industry as well. You know, kids go in there, you know, before they go to uh, – their MBA program, they do an internship at Goldman or JP Morgan. Sure, and, sure. You know, and well, that's it's the reason why grueling work of like 16 hours a day, yeah. cold calling, and they get taken out and they have to get drunk and they got to be there at five the next morning. And, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like a giant joke. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and, and some of them, I guess, get in. I don't even know if it works that way anymore, but that's, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I've heard about how it kind of used to be. And you know, it's it's just what what are what is are interns allowed under the fifteen dollar minimum wage? Because yeah, that'll become just like this massive loop. That's like a gray area, I think, because you know that's right. a commonplace in in culinary is you know working for free. Even a couple, it's even like pretty common working for several weeks, several days, even several months. Sometimes if you're working more than, you know, if they're smart, if you're working for more than a couple of days, and they'll make you sign some paperwork. But, you know, it's a typical couple of days, easy without paperwork, and you're, you're just, you know, trying to prove yourself, showing that, you know, you, you can work there. But that kind of, I don't think that's, that's bad. I think that kind of, you know, that kind of thing is like dying out. Do so you think yeah. that would become, like, way more exploited if the, the minimum wage goes up? Uh, man, I, I, I really feel like there's going to be more issues even after this December 5th um, mandate, you know, which is something that is going to affect, I, I think, make a lot of people realize that minimum wage isn't the best thing. So they're going to basically do the same thing for minimum wage as they are for salaried employees. Yeah. And raise yeah. the minimum salary that until right so before you, you have, get you before you're able to get naturally so talk talk a little bit about sorry talk a little bit about what that 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 actually is so for people that that might not know what you're you're talking about there uh, the new rule that came in play so basically you know when you when you're talking about the restaurant industry your your bread and butter is your salaried employees. I mean, you need your people working 50, 60 hours a week. It takes it takes a 24-hour crew to keep that thing operating. It's dirty. You need to be clean. It needs everything. It needs a lot of sweat, blood, and tears. And it, it, it takes salaried employees. And all I'm saying it's a bad thing or a good thing, but um, it takes a lot of hard work. You know, it takes a lot of hard work, and you have to streamline your processes. So, but on talk about 5th, the December fifth mandate, yeah. Yeah. So on December fifth, um, there's going to be a mandate, basically, to where you have to pay your salaried employees forty-seven thousand dollars a year, or they need to make, or or they need to get paid. They need to get paid forty-seven thousand dollars a year, and then. Beyond that, they get paid overtime on any time they work over 40 hours a week. So, it, I mean, it really changes right, a lot right. of things. Right, right, which is, is $23.50 $23. if they work 40 hours. So if they're working 40 yeah. hours a week, it would be the equivalent of $23.50 an 
$1.50. It's a little bit more than the minimum wage if they're working 60 hours, the, the proposed minimum wage of $15 an hour if they're working 60 hours a week. So, right. I mean, obviously that's going to, you know, don't you think that, I mean, if you are an owner, wouldn't you just not have as many salaried employees, which ultimately that well, would be. Well, I'm also a small business be, owner here in Colorado, and yeah, he has to make some really tough decisions, and he's really yeah. stressed and pissed off about it. Uh, and he basically has to get rid of, you know, some some long time. He has to make some really tough decisions. He has to like, you know, basically get rid of a long time employee. He has to make yeah. either he has three salaried employees at thirty five or thirty six or something, or two at forty seven. At forty seven, yeah. Or and then or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, because they have to work. They're going to work overtime, so you have to make the decision oh, yeah. how it, at the you know, like I, I mean, and then if they also get the fifteen dollar minimum wage at a national level, I mean, now you're talking about oh, it's going to then you're putting even more stress on the small business owner that's just uh, trying to bake some fucking bread, you know. I mean, that that's what it really comes down down to is you put all this pressure on the small business owner for within regulation. The market regulates. It always yeah. itself, and I'm, and I'm not a financial professional, and I don't really do, I don't dabble, but I, I have enough understanding within the market, you know, that it regulates itself. You don't, you don't need to put regulation to make it regulate itself, and then you, you put these stresses on small businesses, and all of a sudden, they, 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 they crumble. You know, you have these businesses that are doing awesome things. They're trying to. Make make everything from scratch. They're trying to make yeah. everything by hand, but yeah. they can't, their margins are so low. Yeah, they they can't afford they can't afford any any extra cost. Yeah, they, they can't. And yeah, there's tons of extra costs cost put on them. Yeah. There's tons of extra costs put on them. Uh, that, I mean, that's, that's you know, I, I some of the mainstream economists out there refer to sometimes and and sometimes if Paul Krugman discusses this and I actually I don't agree with him um, but he called I think it's more of a perception issue but he calls it monopoly power and I mean I guess right. to, you know to a certain degree with the regulations that are in place I mean he's he's a big pro-regulation guy he's very pro-crony huh. government but uh, you know I mean the powerful do somewhat have a monopoly power because they're able to easily overcome um, a lot of the uh, the regulations, they could maybe afford fifteen dollars an hour and automate some processes with large capital investments that maybe cost a million bucks a shot, and, but they have it to make. And the average the average small business owner can't make that million dollar capital investment for one store, you know. And it's it's uh, there's there's economies of scale, and and these regulations they affect different. You know, different sized companies very differently, vastly differently. I mean, that the numbers are there. I mean, the intuition and logic just tell you that that would occur. Obviously, you know, if 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 you're if you're going to automate a bunch of processes, and you're going to, you know, I, I, I mean, a lot of you get like reduced per unit pricing for a lot of technology. Sure. I mean, I absolutely think um, large companies. I mean, this is. Someone for who, who's you know just looking at it from a long-term perspective. If you were to raise 
minimum wage costs. There's certain processes within um, like places. I want to use McDonald's and Burger King and these large corporations. As Not an necessarily example. them as an example, but these these places have the money to implement this type of technology. The only thing that I think would be left out from automation would be cash handling. And uh, I, I really feel like, you know, if if they planned it out properly, if engineered properly, and really thought everything through, everything can be streamlined and and not really have any human interaction, which honestly can take away a lot of factors that cause disease. Um, just yeah, things. that's true. Things, things that, that I mean, automation is going to be it's going to be a good thing. I don't think that government should coerce its. It's um, it, sh- it should have to compete, right? I mean, it should have to compete with human labor. No, it's I, mean, be more I think the market labor. would. I think the market would honestly sort itself out. I mean, automation is just a natural process. It's going to happen regardless yes. of if you wait, raise raise the minimum wage or, or not, because naturally people are going to demand more money to to, to right, work. Of course, if they vote with their feet, which goes back to what we were talking about before. Of course. You know? And the, so and, and the, the less productive the, the, the less productive jobs will will become automated because there's there is technology that can handle that and that'll actually just free people's time up to focus their you know their development of human capital on other things you know people that think that the automation is going to like wipe out millions it is the same thing that people were talking about back when the steam yeah, engine it will it will it's going to wipe but, out but but those people Absolutely. will go towards if 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 they have you know they'll they'll be retrained and 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 replaced by the market as well there'll be you know i mean there'll be other opportunities that come about as a result of automation yeah. you know but and actually likely that, much more yeah much more and much right. higher paying typically capital investment and technolo- technological advancement it, it it raises the wages of the people. It, it it sounds counterintuitive, but if you actually walk through the entire logic of it, it actually makes a ton of sense. But it typically raises the the wages of employees that operate in that field. It also increases right. the number of employees that operate in that field. It drastically reduces, and this is the main part, drastically reduces the per unit production cost, which drastically reduced the price to consumers while simultaneously increasing profit to the producer of it. And, uh, you know, the employer and the owner of the company that's producing whatever they're producing. And that, that's, you know, when you make a technological advancement, you're able to produce a lot more with fewer people, but because you're able to produce a lot more with fewer people, you can produce a lot more at a lower price and still make a profit. And by also having more people in, in total, you're producing more units per person that you employ. But you also have a lot more people. And basically what you're doing is you're just shocking demand. The demand, the demand curve goes through the roof because the price comes way down. And things that are luxuries become commodities. That's, what's, that's the actual history of... of capitalism and technological advancement. It's not loss of jobs. Right. It's millions of right. net new jobs at higher wages over and over right. and over again. And, and, well, and it, it, yeah. That's what a free market, you know, that's what a free market does. 
Yeah, it really creates those types of opportunities and, and niches within the market. And it's, it's, it's a shame that, that the government or anybody really wants to regulate the prices that we put on, on business owners that are just really trying to make their business better and, typ- and typically do something greater and, and right. create they're trying, jobs. They're trying, they're trying to make their moral minimum wage, right? And they're putting it all on black. And here's what I say, not to go off topic and onto taxes and taxation, but the taxation of, like, for example, capital gains. If you take $100,000 and you put it into starting a business, okay, and you lose it all, you lose it all, right? You lose 100% of it. You take that same $100,000 and you put it into a business and you make net $300,000 and you keep 75% of it. You, you only get to keep 75% of it. Yeah. So you, lose, you take 100% of the risk, but then you only get to keep 75% of the upside. And it's just kind of ridiculous. And, yeah. and on top of that, any, any income that you take out of the business, you get taxed at the income level. You know? Well, I think, most people, I think most people assume that any gain is a good gain. They don't realize that why should I be getting my whole gain? You know? You know, that whole, like, the philosophy behind, like, oh, well, at least I'm making money. You know, uh, you know yep. it's like, well, why am, I, why, why am I not making 100% of my money? You know, for, for a long time, you know, I've looked at my paycheck, you know, it just it pisses me off sometimes. So just, and I say for a long time because it, it really does. Every once in a while, I look at my paycheck and you see how much money the government's taking out of it. And you're just like, what the fuck are they doing with that shit? Because I don't really yeah. see any fucking results. Yeah. And it pisses me off. You know, it's like, yeah, I get like right. almost like right. a full 200 or $300 sometimes taking out of my paycheck. I don't make yeah. that much money. You know, that, yeah. money, that money can make a huge difference. That's like family. diapers and shit. Yeah, like exactly. It's a huge, yeah. huge <laughs> there's, there's, it's like this food, it's, there's a lot of things that I can go to. That would help me, and I would just be giving back to the economy by spending it. So what the fuck yeah, are they exactly. taking me out for? Yeah, so exactly. like, you know, it really pisses me off, man. Yeah, that that shit really gets to me. <laughs> I, know. I know. I don't understand why we'd want to give Washington more money. We, I, I just want them to do what they said they they're going yeah. to do for a long time, which is yeah. take care of it. Sure. And, and if they're not going to do it, then hand it over to, to a private entity or something. If you're not gonna, I think we're not gonna have to have a Boston Tea Party situation again. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. sorry to cut you off, but like, man, it, it, it seems it seems like it's leaning towards a taxation without rep- representation scenario yeah. where you know we're all getting taxed and we're not getting anything returned. You know, everybody's talking yeah. about, and I, I'm, you can probably it's oh, it's complete, but you can talk about you know Social Security, but you know you, you do the math and and it's gonna run out. It's going to run yeah. out in the next 20 years. So yeah, maybe what, doing what, a show on, on, on top of the fact that it's a Ponzi scheme and it's totally immoral yeah. and it takes, it takes money from – it takes 13.5% of the money that would otherwise get paid to the people that are working. It's regressive as well because there's a cap. Like if you make above 150000 then whatever you make above 150000 isn't taxed for Social Security. You know, so, you know what the argument is from, from most people that I talk to in my family? It's it, – you know what? Oh, you're taking care of your grandma or this and that. You know what? Grandma moved into the fucking house upstairs yeah. and, and okay, she's I'll pay less money okay. out of my taxes. She's probably and, pretty you know, okay. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know what? You would be able, yeah. Social security can go towards food, and we can still, we can still take care of the really old people, and we can get ahead in life. Yeah. And we can still take care of the really old people, and and you know what? You want to have a compulsory saving system where you actually, you know, it's it's my money, and when I work, you know, okay, ten percent of it has to go into a long-term savings account that I can invest and decide, and you know, in Singapore, the way they do it is you can use. You can use like up to 10% of it as a down payment on a home. And it's the same exact thing, but it, exactly how I'm describing. They have this in Singapore. They have it in Chile. They actually have it in some of the Nordic countries that, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders loved. But, it, you know, they, it, it, they really, it, they, they never talk about this part because all of that capital gets invested in American capital markets and then into our companies, which are some really good companies. They're just taking advantage of the, the, the system that is in front of them. Just like you know sure. anybody else would, because they have shareholders that they're supposed to represent. And guess what? A lot of those shareholders, guess who they are, dude? They're fucking pension funds for states. I mean, think about that entanglement. Oh, think yeah. about the level of entanglement. It's like oh, if the if some of these companies went bankrupt because there were better companies that snuck up and outcompeted them, right. there would be pension funds that would lose chunks of their their you know the state liability money. It's owed to like state employees in the future. There's all sorts of weird entanglements. It's not capitalism. It's not free markets. It's and, and they keep calling and keep blaming it on that. And it's, it's not. So what, what, what would be the benefit of raising minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour? I mean, really, like in the long term, not uh, on the on the small scale, but to the big business owners. But how how would they gain money in that in that respect? They would gain money by losing a lot of human capital, right? They would have to. Well, they, they would they gain would, money. Well, yeah, they'd be forced to sell a ton of people, right? Big corporations. They'd like, not sell, but get rid of them. Big, big corporations would gain monopoly power by being able to make the capital investment required to automate and, 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 and maintain yeah. the same prices, whereas right. any, com- any company smaller than a certain size. Won't really have the capital to to invest and make those investments, and the prices that they charge will have to be a lot higher, and they'll have to rely on some sort of other level of efficiency or in, innovation or, you know, branding or something or something unique, um, you know, to 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 get by. I guess I don't I don't know, but that I mean that's ultimately what will happen. Nobody will see it because it happens slowly. It happens over the course of three, four, five years. And just all of a sudden, there's no more cashiers. You know, all of a sudden, there's no more stock people, and there's little robots that go around with a forklift and put the boxes on the shelf and unpack it. And, you know, all of a sudden at McDonald's, it's got conveyor belts that come around the restaurant and hand it off to you. And, and the, the uh, you know, the, the drive-through is, is all operated by iPad and a pair of robot arms, you know. And, and I mean, at a certain price, it makes sense to do that. And it's all about what people forget is it's all about trade-offs. It's not just one or the other. Sorry to take it like way off course and to go to an extreme example of this, but child labor and sweatshops in extremely poor countries, right? People go out and they, oh, it's so horrible. These poor children are forced to work in these sweatshops instead of going to school. Right, because school is what they would otherwise be doing. 
No, what they would otherwise be doing is their parents would be taking naked fucking pictures of them and selling them to some perv <laughs> for a thousand fucking bucks. I mean, this is a real thing that happens in places like the Philippines where they've outlawed mm-hmm. the, the fucking sweatshops. They, they're extremely poor. They have no productivity. Yeah. They have no they're international clout to money, trade. Yeah. They have no international clout to trade. They don't get the yeah. goods. People are starving, and the people yeah. at that point, when people become desperate, they'll do whatever they have to do to survive. And it's a tragedy. Yeah. And a sweatshop is the least of their fucking worries. You go and talk to those people, they're happy to work in those sweatshops. It's insane. And, and we think yeah. of it as if it's a sad situation because some 14-year-old isn't in school reading a fucking book. He, wants, he, he worries about whether or not his younger brothers and sisters – and his mother, you know, and his dad, he's got like a leg yeah. blown off from the recent war, are going to be able to fucking eat. Yeah, exactly. The reason why I can give a shit less about other people in other countries is because our country is suffering sometimes in, in poverty in, in, in some places just as bad as third world countries. We need to take care of our own shit before we can start analyzing other people's shit. No, I know. I'm just giving an extreme example yeah. of like regulations on yeah. and, and how they affect the poorest of the poor. You know how they, how right. how taking job opportunities away affects the people. The it, it has the most drastic negative effect on the exact people that they're trying to help. And and yeah. it's a, it's a, it, you're absolutely no, right. Absolutely. We do have situations that are like that in America because you have 16 year old kids that instead of being able to start working when they're 14 at three or four bucks an hour and have a mentor, and by the time they're 16, you know, after school, they're selling crack on a corner and joining a gang. And instead of, instead of being able to get a little bit of a job at a really low wage, help somebody out, have somebody who actually is able to take care of them and, and, and help rebuild civil society and create spontaneous order through the economic incentives. I mean, if, if there were a lower minimum wage, it would reduce hoodlumism. I mean, it would. It would because parents would be like, go get a fucking job. It would be easier to start a business. There would be more jobs available. It would create a culture of, of, of working. And, and there's a lot more hoodlumism the higher the minimum wage becomes. I think any type of mandate or any kind of like minimum wage makes people lazy. You know, it's just Obviously, devalues skilled labor. Entitled. You know, right. Devalues skilled you know, labor. Devalues skilled labor, but it also just, you know, just, you know, you make $15 an hour. I, I honestly, I really honestly believe there should be less jobs out there. It's really going to increase unemployment. You know, there should be yeah, less. Over, there's over only so much money for people to go out and spend. There's no you have to be very careful. Gonna, well, you're, you're 100% right, but People have to be, I want to warn people of this because this is the, I, I've seen these studies and this is the trick that they play is that they time it six or seven months. Well, in order to create, you know, to, to install a whole bunch of self checkouts at a grocery store, you got to order them. You got you to get the financing for it, which means you have to raise capital. You got to order them. You got to get them in. You got to plan installment at different shops. It takes a while for the jobs to disappear. They measure it six months later and say, woohoo. Well, if they went back and measured yeah. it three years, three years later, now you might not have net job losses because typically 
over the course of 12 to 14 months, jobs that get automated get absorbed unless there's incentives not to absorb them, which is what we're living in. You know, that's where we're living. There's so many incentives for people not to, you know, not to invest in creating their own business. Like, great example, if it costs less to start your own business, you, you would have more people that would walk out of their shitty job that they don't like where they don't make enough and take a risk and go and do it on their own. If there just weren't so I many barriers, there's going to be more people willing to do that. You know? That's the I thing. Like there's got, there has to, to be that right? more and more. There has to be like because a I'm renaissance willing, willing of barterism. Underneath the, the line. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I, I've, I have before, you know, I've had yeah. small you just operate, you operate underneath, yeah. Yeah. What you're saying, what you're saying is be a, a certain level of like like reasonable civil disobedience where you're just going and doing what you do yeah. well and making money and disregard whatever right. the stupid regulations are. Exactly. Because regulations cost money and honestly small business can't afford any extra cost. You know, you need you really need all that extra overhead going to your bottom line. You know, you need you need that money in your pocket. You know, you need get you need that gas money. To get there, you need that food yeah, cost. Not really the food, because that's what I know. You know, and then you you need that food cost to pay for the food, and you need that gas cost to pay for the grill or whatever. However you're cooking at the dark, you know. And you know, if I were to go, you gotta keep the lights on. You gotta get you gotta get sanitation stuff. You know. Well, yeah, you need you need to have proper. Just because you're going to be operating underneath the underneath the lines of the health code or any any kind of like law doesn't mean you shouldn't be sanitary. And that's the reason of why course. you should be more yeah. sanitary. Yeah, you have because to because this yeah. is the way natural business should work. Is there shouldn't be any kind of any kind of law. Because if anybody were to get sick or any kind of situation where you don't handle food properly, people are gonna spread the word or and you, you know, got a business. Yeah. You're gonna get you you're gonna go to business really quickly. Yeah. It's, it's just going to be plain and simple. You get sued exactly. So, you know, it's you. You may want to protect yourself by becoming a business if you don't think or an LLC if you don't think you can handle food properly. You know. And yeah. Well, you probably shouldn't go into the food business if you don't think you you can handle food properly, please. Yeah. <laughs> so I say, just we've got ninety seconds, so we can go. We could go over that a little bit. Um, but it, 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 it's it's it, 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 the idea that you know you have to have. I don't like the zoning, and especially in like the food, like like um, you, I, I like like the cottage movement. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like the cottage food movement. Sure. I, I think yeah. that needs to well, expand it rapidly. I mean, come on, we it, it, the yeah. idea that the food you cook in your home is not as Sanitary. You eat out of it every day. It's your kitchen. Sure. I mean, you bring it in and you, you, you share it with your coworkers. Yeah. They love it. It's fucking delicious. Why yeah. cannot? Why can't you charge money to sell it to people? You know, you you, you have somebody at home that can stay home and cook food for ten people a week. And this is actually something that happens down in Miami. Like growing growing up, we knew about because. You know, born and raised in Miami, you, there's a lot of illegal underground things going on. Yeah. And you hustle. And yeah. there's places called cantinas where, like, uh, Apple, you know, grandmas inside of, like, in, in, in homes would 
cook lunches and dinners for people for 10 bucks a day or however much it costs for people for lunch and dinner. And they get like a prepackaged meal. It's under the table, yeah. cash money. And it's, it's a great business. And I, I really think no one gets sick. It's delicious food. And that's how business in capitalism in America was founded. It's just, you know, just being an entrepreneur and just trying to make the yeah. best of what you have in your situation. You shouldn't have totally. to pay the government 30% of what you're making just because you're just trying to make a, make a, make a dime on, on what you're already doing. You're already making it. Making food for a family of eight or six or whatever, you know, it, it just no that that is i mean the 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 fact that there has to be a movement to get permission or to end the having to get permission to like make food in your own kitchen and sell it to people that you know that is so <laughs> it's just like like ser- seriously that's a thing you can't do that i don't know man. to me i you can't know, if you can, i get like i get it sick and they don't you know they're never gonna they're never gonna eat your food again. You know there's a yeah, exactly. there's something to be said about a good cook. You know a good yeah. cook is a good cook. You know everybody's ha- everybody out there has a grandma in their family or or somebody that can cook for them that makes some delicious food and you would love to share it with somebody or they would. I mean you're honestly you're you're mammoth. Holy shit, her Lebanese food is on. She, yeah. like, she makes some food that is just. Out, out of this world that I want her recipes. Yeah. Like I, I would, I, I would do a lot to get her recipes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Talk to her. She'd probably be. She. She. She'd be happy to 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 share with you. You'd have to probably like actually go and watch. I want to go and eat her food again. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I just want. I, it's been a long time. So that's a whole other. That's a whole other deal. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, another, yeah. But the the I I I you know it's it's an interesting. Uh, take on on uh, uh, the world right now. I mean, the the those cottage laws they've always pissed me off because I've always thought that was really 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 stupid. I mean, what makes a commercial sure. kitchen that that much better? Um, you know, I well, mean, there, I eat in my own kitchen, I never get sick or anything. Yeah, well, there that. there is reasons why commercial kitchens are better to produce large quantities of food, and people right. will realize that when they produce try to produce large quantities of food in their home kitchen. They'll realize that they need to have stainless steel services because porous and steam services with seams are hard to clean. And, you know, certain things will become natural. And, like, people will learn the hard way to where, you know, yeah, okay, yeah, it's hard to clean and, and this and that. And, you know, the reason why is it creates bacteria so, you know, these people typically either they're going to poison people and get people sick, and people are never going to eat from them again, or they're going to learn that they need to have a commercial-style kitchen when they can afford it to, to help them produce larger quantities and, and become more efficient. But they realize that you can, if you grow at a scale that's, 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 that you're, that's, that's possible – you can you can produce great food out of a out of a home kitchen. And out of a home if kitchen. You work, yeah. If you work it, you can if you work a problem, you put you enough. You, you can add a few burners or something on a on a six foot table. You can add another six foot table with some. 
I mean, you could, like, if you had a, if you had a, like, for example, you could have a house, right? And you have a backyard, right? And you get a smoker, right? I mean, you see where I'm going with this? And you smoke a bunch of meat, you know? Yeah, if you make bacon, if you make a bunch of bacon and try to resell it, of course, of course, it would be completely illegal, but it doesn't mean that you're not making a great product and... And you know, you know, it's basically baking the smoked pork belly. You know, it yeah. can be cured and smoked. It could be just smoked, but yeah. you know, it's that's it. You know, and and some people don't know that, and you know, some people don't have time to know that, or, or necessarily want to do the process. But I don't think there should be any law against selling someone anything. Anything, right? But, exactly. I mean, I get. Is, you know, there, people there, say, there, there, oh, anything. Well, should somebody be allowed to sell someone nuclear matter? Like, obviously not, people. Like, we're you know, when we say anything, we mean anything reasonable. Right. Well, and and on yeah, top of that, I'll add to that. Means, I, absolutely, sure. Yeah, and I'll, I'll yeah. right. And things like you know, we don't want people conducting fucking bacterial science experiments that are going to spread epidemics in their apartments. Obviously, well, we, we can, we can right? Well, I'm, I'm talking about as far as. <laughs> Yeah. I do think anybody should be able to, with the, I mean, within reason, there's obviously certain things reason, that, right. you know, that shouldn't be sold on, on, you know, gray or, or unclear markets and that, that need to be regulated like body parts and like fucking nuclear matter. And there are some really serious things out there, well, but yeah, you know, for, for 90, 98% of consumer goods yeah. and services, you know, they, they, they don't, you don't need, you shouldn't have to be regulated or licensed. I mean, legal, you know, I understand why we have like legal bar associations because, you know, there's certain professions that you want to maintain certain levels of integrity with. And, and that's one of them. And there's all yeah. sorts of professional organizations that kind of do the same thing as regulation. You know, I'm a member of one and, you know, there's all sorts of professional organizations that people join based on their profession and they sort of self-regulate themselves and they have certain ethics standards and, you know, they come together and come up with new ideas and people write, you know, papers oh, sure. about, and this is across hundreds of, you know, all of the professions out there and they share it and people nowadays, people videotape it and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, we don't. You know, maybe in, I don't, I don't know, I didn't live in the 1930s, 1920s, although from my account of history, I think government did a lot of damage back then, but, you know, I don't know. Back then, there wasn't nearly the ability to deliver information the way there is today, and, I mean, it, there's just no reason that we should think anymore that a small group of people can, can dictate. I mean, look, you for whatever profession, and one other thing, I will say this: we need to start teaching people about what it means to get a job, and and okay, look up before you go to college, look up what you know what these professions actually make, and whether or not there's going to be jobs available when you graduate. You know, just go and yeah. do, you know, actually come to a logical decision. Right. But I think that I think that you know to circle back around to the minimum wage, it's going to be for sure it's going to to create massive di- distortions in people's decisions of what to pursue 
don't you think? I mean, I think yeah. it's going to create a lot more more loafiness. Absolutely. I mean, without doubt, without a doubt. I mean, what, what I, I see from, you know, I live in a smaller town now, but being born and raised in a big city, you know, you see a lot of people utilizing, you know, places that typically pay minimum wage as, you know, a lifetime career, whereas it's typically a stepping stone. Where, where, I, where I'm at right now, it's, it's actually, I see a lot of younger people working these minimum wage jobs, and that's, that's how it should be. Yeah. And, Whereas you say in Miami, in Miami, you think Miami, you saw more people like trying to live off of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you see a lot more miserable yeah. people doing that. You see a lot of teenagers actually working fast too in, in the place I'm living now. And, right. And so it's, um, it's a stepping stone and it's saying that gets them some experience and, you know, put something on their resume so that their next job can be a little bit better and now they can make, you know, sure. they, they might be making 725, but all of a sudden, you know, their next job, they're making 745 and then their next job, they're making, you know, 790, you know, sure. or, or they're just learning the value of money because they have a job and they're making money for the first time. And they just right. understand that, you know, when they, when they pay for a soda and a fucking burger, you know, their Not money's cheap. gone. Yeah. <laughs> your money, yeah, your an money, hour of whole work. hour, an hour of yeah. work is gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. So, yeah, I, I think know, a lot of really people complain. I mean, like, I, I go to the grocery store. I can buy. A, I can buy. I'm not even joking. Okay, so, totally honest. Two months yeah. worth of groceries for about 245 bucks. It takes one trip. That's a good, that's a good price. Yeah, and it takes deal, one man. trip to. Well yeah, it takes one trip to Costco, which I do pay yeah. a membership fee throughout the year for, but it's not that sure. much. And it takes one trip and one trip to Ralph's, and I do a lot of frozen stuff. You know, my vegetables, I just get like frozen vegetables so they last. Um, I do have sure, some canned yeah, like tomato stuff to make sauces. Vegetables. Yeah, yeah. I have like some canned stuff, canned uh, tomatoes to make like sauces and stuff. And I, I do get some, like, yeah. snack stuff. I st- I'll stock up, but cheap snack stuff. You know, I find whatever's yeah. on sale. Like, buy one, get one free. And I just it's, – it's not that expensive to live, right? I well, mean, it's still – we still live in a world of abundance. I just well, think – I think sometimes that, I think people – it's a tragedy. Like, Most people don't know how to cook for themselves. It's not like – we're not in a generation – or most people watch Food Network and like to cook, but they, most people like to eat out. Yes, and true. I think I think as as these laws, I think as these laws change, I think going back more and more people are going to be forced to having to more cook on their own. More people are going to want to. Well, more and more people are going to want to cook at home. They're yeah. going to want to go out and and learn how to cook for themselves and create the same quality of food they're eating out typically for a lot less money. Yeah. And yeah. And that, that's going to happen very, very soon. I think it, yeah. it, it hasn't already started happening. Um, yeah. no, I agree. And, I think that is going to happen. And, 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 yeah, that'll reduce overall demand, which, you know, it's going to create, it's going to create ripple effects. Uh, what, what, you know, it's really good, really, really good take and a really good talk. Um, you know, we're going to start to wrap it up here. But th- thanks so sure. much for doing this with me, man, because I think it was really, really informative yeah. and, and you, you have some really good outlooks on it. Um, 
And I just want to just I want to highlight one last thing just to 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 make sure everybody keeps an eye out for it because it's what's going to happen is when this whether it's 15 or if it's you know 10 10 and they tie it and and peg it to inflation or something like that um you're not going to see an immediate effect because businesses aren't going to just be like oh fuck everybody you're fired no they're going to take a profit hit for a little bit they're going to try to rally their employees to be more productive so that they can make up for a little bit, maybe. And then they're going to automate. And the higher it goes, the more jobs will get automated because technology will emerge that will be affordable to replace it. And they're going to, I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, you know, sorry to, to take that, yeah. that last word, but we want to implement because oh, that's no, what happens. Yeah. They do this over, yeah. and every time they raise it, they say, either see, no gonna, job loss. Either they're going to automate or they're going to have to cut. I mean, and the first thing you learn in business is, you know, the first thing to go when you're losing money is, guess what? They're employees. Employees, so, yeah. <laughs> yep, you downsize. Yeah. You so. downsize. So guess what's going to go? So yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that's it on true. that. No, it's true. And, and nobody, nobody sees it. They're out there picketing for it and, and, and so excited. And, and, you know, I, there's a certain part of me that I'm just at the point where I just say, let it happen. And let's, let's actually yeah. see the real consequences. You're messing with fire. So there's, it, we're, we're a much more fragile economy here in 2016 than believe it or not, than we were in the 1930s. We we're actually very vibrant relative to the rest of the world we still had a very right. strong entrepreneurial scare, uh, you know, entrepreneurial um, uh, spirit, and yeah, I mean we've got Silicon Valley and stuff, but I, I, I feel like a lot of what's coming out of out there now is more, you know, more and more stuff that just has no productivity. You know, I mean, there is some stuff that increases right. efficiency, and I mean you are getting some robotic and and automation technology that will be cool in the future, but it's also a lot of apps that don't do, you know, a lot of like game apps that don't do a lot for, I don't know, some of them are fine. If people, you know, people have a lot of leisure time, I guess. <laughs> I guess in a world yeah. where people aren't, you know, when it, when the $15 minimum wage yeah. pass, you know kicks in, people are going to have yeah. a lot of leisure time because they'll lose I their mean, job. That, that might be a, yeah, I mean, that might be a whole <laughs> other topic, man, just relating, you know, the, the, the growth of these leisure apps to the, yeah. the market. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how if, if if the market's doing better, are the leisure apps doing better? So yeah. That, yeah. that's a good question. Good question. Or do they thrive? Or do they thrive off of you know low labor force participation rates and people being at home for long periods of time with little to do right. and little money? Okay, so do unemployment drive these apps? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's something I just thought about. It's a, it's, I, I think you know, going back to fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage, it's it's a bad idea. I think any kind of regulation in general is a bad idea because you know, as a small business, if you could put yourself in a small business person's shoes, if you're not already, it's it's not something that you want to have looming over your head as an employer is you need to pay someone a certain amount of money. You want to pay the other thing. Yeah, exactly. The the other thing that I would say to that is that to try to get government to mandate it, it just, it seems like a waste of time. 
to take so the process is so archaic to try to get into resources. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's a waste of resources. Sure. When you could actually yeah. spend a little bit if you just went to your employee employer every six months and said, Give me a fifty cent raise or I'm leaving and give me another fifty cent raise or I'm leaving. You've been there for a year, give me a two dollar raise or I'm leaving. You know, if you just if everybody did that, then you well, know, you would that, that, right? I mean, isn't that a better solution than just in the time you were talking about? I don't know if that would be a better solution because as a small business owner, I don't know if I'd want all my employees want, coming to me asking for more money all the time either. You well, know, at a certain I point, you have to, to real. Yeah, if, if you're not so, if you're not growing, what you have you don't to do have is monetize. monetize my my opinion is you have to monetize productivity somehow. Right. Create a mon- monetary value for every single process you ask an employee to do, and then say that if you do X amount of this and that and this, wow. you make this amount. But if you make wow. more than this, you make this amount. Wow, that's All a really interesting. I want to. I so I, I I I want to leave it on that note, and I actually would love to come have you come back. And let's talk specifically about that because I think that's a really interesting topic. And, you know, I'd love to kind of flesh out how that would work throughout the economy in different examples. Cause that's a really, really interesting concept. Sure. Yeah. I mean, really every business owner knows that what every single process is worth. So right. I mean, it shouldn't right. be that hard to really monetize that. Right. I mean, it's unitized and line itemed. And, you know, yeah. so I, essentially you're absolutely right. And it, it isn't, but the, the, the way that that would affect the actions of humans and, 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 and the, so it would, I think it's a very, I, I don't want to, I mean, I, I like it. I think it's a brilliant idea, but I would love to flesh it out more on, on, you know, and take a little bit more time and actually flesh it out. And, and go through some examples of, 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 you know, for the audience of how exactly a system like that would work. So that's actually, it's a, it's a brilliant concept. Sure. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not something that, yeah, I mean, that's not something that I, I, don't, I know that works, but I think that's something that might actually work. I, mean, I, yeah. think, I think really if you, if you really monetize every single piece of production to where, I mean, obviously, the person that starts the business, being in a capitalist market, the person that starts the business and is running the business needs to be making more money. But the person that is doing some work, you can monetize the actual labor down to the to, not down to the hour, the but act- down to the productivity. Yeah, the, the act. Yeah, like the actual task. The activity to the actual task. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to tie it down to the activity. You might, you know, you might, you might be talking, you know, more productivity from a lot of employees. Brilliant. No, it is. It, is. it, is. it absolutely is. And when you, when you, when they know that on a per task basis they're getting paid X amount, right? Their, yeah. their value, right. their value. And they can kind of figure out, okay, well, you know, if I work six hours and I get this much done, that's how much I get paid. It doesn't really matter. How, the hours go out the window, which is that, that is, that's, I mean, I don't, this, was, this is going to take another hour to actually talk about, but I want to actually, oh, this sure. is, it's a brilliant concept. I'd love to talk to you more about offline. Right now, 
Let's end it here, and then we'll start. We'll pick up on the next episode then. About that, yeah, exactly. Let's do yeah. that. Awesome, do that. man. Thank, thanks so much for having us for 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 coming on, Aaron. Um, yeah, I'm really glad oh, I had you on. This was, it was a great, great, uh, some great content here. I hope all of the listeners really enjoyed it, and uh, we're gonna continue to try to spread the word of uh, using logic. I mean, that's really the key out here. Is is you know, logic is is somewhat dead, and that's what I'm trying to revive is is logic and just people actually thinking through situations and using their minds. And I'm yeah. glad to have you I mean, on yeah, and, and yeah. help you do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm happy to be here. I can't wait to keep discussing this subject further. It's a great conversation. Thank you. Awesome, man. All right, everybody. This is the Macro View. I'm your host, Andrew Smith, coming to you live. Our, our special guest tonight, Chef Aaron Pencar. Um, check him out. He's on Facebook, and uh, you can uh, you know, take a look at some of his ice sculptures, which are pretty fucking incredible. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in, and I'll uh, see you on the next episode.